Welcome to the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast, where we talk about college hoops along with Chris Dorch of Blue Ribbon. I'm Kevin Ingram. It's always great to have you with us and always great to speak with my buddy Chris. What's going on? Man, I'm telling you, it's it's such a relief. The book is at the printer. I'm talking about Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, we worked so hard to get that thing out, and and it's such a relief when when we finally – the printer, it, it used to be in the old days, they would have to – I would we would send them the book. They're up in Cincinnati, and they would FedEx me the proofs, and I would have to look and check them out and FedEx them back. And, you know, that would take two or three days, and now I can just look at them online and, and approve everything, and, and they can get started. It's carved, you know – four to five days off our print time. And, and uh, they've done a really great job this year, CJK in Cincinnati. Uh, we were two weeks behind our normal schedule for obvious reasons. Right. And I asked my, my print rep, Bill White, who's a great guy, and said, can you help me on the back end and, and, and get us out? Uh, and we were able to go really literally till the 1st of October with any late-breaking news and yet still get out within a week or two of our normal release date. So all, all the props to CJK printers in Cincinnati for that. And I have uh, seen and already used the tablet version of Blue Ribbon. It's fantastic. So if, if you're into college hoops, if you do some broadcasting, if you're just a fan, whatever, you got to have Blue Ribbon. And uh, it's just the best there is. And, and I'm not just saying that because Chris is sitting here. It's it's the the best thing there ever was if you want to read about every single team in college basketball. So take a look, check it out, enjoy. I was looking at the uh, preseason All-American teams, and is this as wide-ranging of a group as you can remember, maybe with guys from well beyond some of the traditional power teams? Well, we, we like to we like to dig deep every year. And there, there have probably been some years uh, even – beyond this one where we've had some kids at non-traditional or non-power uh, conference teams uh, wind up on our All-American list. And, and we, we just like to make sure that, that we give everybody a fair consideration. Uh, I know we don't always – you can't please everybody, but we do it in, in as democratic a – a fashion as we can and, and all 35 plus I'd have to stop and count of our contributing editors uh, have a say so not only in our all-american team but our preseason top 25 and and I think rather than me just picking teams and yeah. and being the only authority I would never do it that way I would much rather have a 35 sets of eyes on it and I just think this is a, a good representative team uh, for those who, you know, haven't seen it yet. Obviously, Luca Garza is our from Iowa is our preseason player of the year, and Corey Kispert from Gonzaga is on there. Uh, Jared Butler from Baylor. Uh, it, it's it's a representative team. Marcus Zagorowski from Creighton. Uh, I, I like our 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 All American teams this year. I'd stack them up with anybody's. One thing I should mention, coming up shortly in our podcast this week, we're going to have Colorado coach Tad Boyle, who has a lot of experience coming back, including McKinley Wright, a very experienced point guard. So we'll ask Tad about that and just about this crazy season, how they're putting together a schedule, and how his Buffalo's team uh, looks going into this uh, upcoming season, which should get here uh, in a little over a month. It's not that far away when uh, things will tip off. 
Chris, is it okay to reveal the preseason top five, or do we want to make people wait until Blue Ribbon arrives? Oh, absolutely. Let's go ahead and lay it out there. All right, here we go. Gonzaga, Villanova, Baylor, Virginia, Tennessee in the top five. And then we got Kansas, Wisconsin, Iowa, Duke, and Texas Tech, uh, six through ten. Yeah, I think that's a representative team. Uh, Gonzaga, I, I, I think if Petrushev w- would have stayed, uh, they're, they're, we still think they're the number one team in the country. But if he had stayed, it, it would have been consensus, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Villanova is another team similar to uh, Jay Wright runs his program, not unlike Tad Boyle at Colorado runs his, you know, it's a strong player development program. They're not afraid to red shirt. They like to stay old. Uh, Baylor, you can never count out Baylor and we've got him at number three. And of course, Jared Butler is a great point guard, Virginia, another team like Villanova that, that does it. Uh, kind of the old-fashioned way. They they develop players. They redshirt players. Uh, they don't necessarily have to recruit five-star players to be successful. And then Tennessee at number five. I think this is Rick Barnes's best team at Tennessee. It may be the best team at Tennessee, I don't know, since Bernie and Ernie. Huh. Uh, some Bruce Pearl fans might say that, that his 2008 team that was ranked number one in the country for a while, uh, what, why aren't you mentioning them? And that was a good team. I I remember it well. Uh, but uh, this Tennessee team is deep. It's talented. Uh, they're going to play defense, and they're going to be able to run up and down the floor and score a bunch of points. Uh, and they've got some great freshmen. I, I think maybe the best freshman class that – I don't know. I've covered Tennessee for many years, yeah. and I don't think I've ever seen a better freshman class overall than this one. Along with Chris Dorch, I'm Kevin Ingram. This is the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. Uh, we should remind you the Blue Ribbon Report comes out every week. Be sure to sign up. Go to blueribbon.substack.com. You can take a little look at uh, what all is available for you, and uh, we'd love to have you on board. You can uh, see this month's installment of My Favorite Venues. I've had a lot of fun doing that series. And uh, this month uh, we will feature Duke's Cameron Indoor Stadium. I went there in 2011. But as you'll read in the piece, it was not my first trip to Cameron Indoor, although the, the second visit went better than the first visit. So uh, I'll let you see for yourself. But uh, I even was able to secure a quote from the one and only Mike Krzyzewski for, for the uh, story. So uh, make sure you check that out. Go to blueribbon.substack.com. Mike Krzyzewski himself is a Blue Ribbon fan. He once told me that Blue Ribbon is good for basketball. So uh, uh, I'll take that. Say it, uh, say it uh, like you mean it. Let's say it in the Coach K voice. Blue Ribbon is good for basketball. <laughs> Excellent. See, I, there you go. You like that? I like it. I like it. <laughs> I can't touch yours, but. It's good for basketball, Chris. <laughs> uh, and not so fun news. Uh, some not so flattering stories about Wichita State coach Greg Marshall have come out since we did our last podcast, Chris. Uh, he, he's always been an intense guy. He's denied the allegations. What do you think happens at, at Wichita State? Wow. It, it's, um, you know, you always wonder when something like this is revealed, why this moment in time, you know, why now, uh, why not before? And sure enough, uh, the athletic reported that, uh, there were, there were several incidents when he was at Winthrop and some players, parents had written into the athletic director and, and it just really kind of, it, it escaped attention, obviously, but several former Winthrop players have 
banded together and, and wanted to set the record straight and uh, were willing to talk on the record to the athletic. And, and then, you know, several players, obviously, at, at Wichita State have spoken out. And there was a bunch of transfers uh, from the program in the last year. And whenever something like that happens, you just wonder. And But I, I don't know. Uh, he's coached the same way with the same intention, intensity yeah. for years. And, and uh, why this comes out now, I don't know. But I, I certainly think that now that it's gotten the notoriety, uh, Wichita State has to follow it through and, and see what's up. And, and, you know, some coaches have, have, have lost their jobs over, you know, stuff that, you know, is similar to what we've heard. And I couldn't verify one way or the other, but he's an intense guy. There's no question. He, he coaches hard and, and he runs his program. You know, he's got his finger on the pulse. And, and so, I don't, I don't know why these players would lie. I don't know why the Winthrop players would, would come from so far, uh, you know, back in the past to, right. to go on the record about it. Well, we will uh, keep an eye on that story with Greg Marshall and uh, see what comes of that uh, at Wichita State. Well, Chris, our guest is here. He is Colorado coach Tad Boyle entering his 11th season at Colorado. They went 21 and 11 last year, 10 and 8 in the Pac-12, tied for fifth. Coach, how you doing? Uh, we appreciate the time. Good to be with you guys. You and Chris go back a ways, don't you? We do. We go back to my days, my, my 10 months at Tennessee. <laughs> I can't remember the years, but but I remember I was there for about 10 months. I think it was like 97, wasn't it, Coach? Yeah, 96. Like yeah. I, I, I do remember you got to the NCAA tournament. We did. And, and I'm sure you remember that game and how it ended. I Dan Muller. <laughs> the Illinois State Redbirds, and boy, we had, I mean, the, the thing I remember about that, we had a great squad. I mean, the C.J. Black and Charles oh, Hathaway, yeah. and, you know, uh, we, had, Tony we had Harris, had, on Tony that Harris team. was a freshman. We had, we had a really good team at Tennessee, and I, I thought we could have won a couple games, but that's how the NCAA tournament goes. Yeah, I remember, I think it was Coach Dan Muller who made that layup. Uh, that's right. It was. That's right. That's a good. Yeah. You got a great memory. I tell you, that's one thing I appreciate about you, Chris. You got a great memory. Have you guys? Have you played Illinois State since you've been at Colorado? No, we have not. We have not. No, we we stay I, away from those guys. I know how good of a player he was, and he's a heck of a yeah. coach too. So, um, speaking of scheduling, uh, I've talked to a lot of coaches, and one guy said it was. One coach said it was like the wild, wild west that. Uh, you know, something that you had done three months ago, you've had to tear up and, and now it's kind of like every man for himself. Can you kind of go through the process that you all have done? And has it been, like they say, kind of nuts? It's nuts. And, and <laughs> wild, wild west is a great, I don't know who said that, but they're exactly right. Because, um, you know, right now, I mean, I think it all starts with your league schedule, right? And I think, every league is deciding are we going to play 18 games or 20 games or 22 or, you know, whatever that number is. So you have to get that figured out first. Then secondly, you go to your MTE, you know, are you in an MTE? Is it still on? Is it, is it off? Do you have to find a new one? You know, uh, cause everybody wants to get 27 games. I think that's, that's something as coaches that is, is we owe our players is the the ability to play as many games as we can, which is 27 this year. 
And so then you go to your MTE. Once you get that solidified, now you go to your non-conference and see where you can fill in from there. And then you get certain dates that work and don't work. And so it is, uh, I've, I've never been through this before, but you know, the good news is nobody else has either. So we're figuring it out as we go. You know, at, at times like these, it it's probably helps to have a, a veteran and, and great point guard. Uh, talk about McKinley Wright, and obviously he's a guy that's meant a lot to your program. Yeah, you know, when it comes to McKinley Wright, it's hard for me, you know, and I'm obviously I'm a biased guy because I've coached him for three years and we recruited him, and, and uh, I can't imagine, you know, any player – that's more important to their particular team than McKinley Wright is to Colorado basketball this year. I mean, he just, and quite frankly, Chris, Kevin, it, it's been that way since he arrived on campus. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, what, one of the, I think one of the most underappreciated players in college basketball last year was Peyton Pritchard at Oregon. And, you know, obviously, you know, we're, on the West Coast, you know, people in Tennessee and the, and the, and the, in the Eastern time zone are going to bed when we're tipping off. So a lot of people don't see these guys, but I think Peyton Pritchard, anybody that knows college basketball knows how good he was last year, right? And know how good of a career he, he was a, you know, freshman point guard for a final four team for Oregon, you know, uh, as a freshman. Just to give you some, a basis of comparison. You know, after Peyton Pritchard's junior year at Oregon, he had 487 assists. McKinley Wright right now is 501. Peyton Pritchard, after his junior year at Oregon, had 416 rebounds. McKinley Wright has 505. After Peyton Pritchard's junior year at Oregon, he had 1,303 points. McKinley Wright's got 1,370. So... And Peyton Pritchard was a player of the year candidate last year, and deservedly so. And people out here think maybe he deserved player of the year. I don't know. I mean, but he was in the, he was in the conversation. McKinley Wright has more assists, more rebounds, and more points at the same point of his career than Peyton Pritchard had. But because he didn't get to a Final Four as a freshman, you know, and Colorado basketball is a little bit under the radar. He suffers because of it. But I'm telling you, this kid is special. And uh, I've coached for 26 years. A lot of good players. You know, Tennessee. I coached in Oregon when I was just getting started. Uh, this kid's special. Ted, with, with this unusual offseason we've had, you talk about experienced players. Is that more important than ever? I mean, you have a lot of experience coming back. How does that benefit you? No, Kevin, that's a great, great uh, point, great question, because I, I think more so than any year in college basketball, experience means something this year. And we've got, look, we've got five freshmen that are really talented, and we're going to need contributions from from them uh, to certain degrees uh, throughout the year. But more so than any year in college basketball, you know, experience and veteran leadership is going to be called upon this year, because – Number one, you're going to have crazy things happen. We've already seen it happen already in the football season. You know, games canceled. Certain players are out. Certain players are in. You know, you better have somebody in that locker room that is is kind of a steadying force, if you will. And uh, and we've got that, fortunately. But the, the, the problem is you don't know 
who's going to test positive, who might be out for 14 days or for two days, for two days or 10 days. Or, I mean, we don't know what's in store for us, but what we do know, it's going to be one of those topsy turvy years and you better have better leadership in your locker room. One thing I thought was interesting about last season when Deshaun Schwartz was shooting it well, it made a big difference for you. How much is he a key guy for your team? He's an X factor, Kevin. I mean, there's no question. When he shoots the ball well, we're pretty good. Deshaun struggled, as our whole team did, you know, down the stretch last year. I mean, uh, you just look at our shooting numbers from our first, you know, uh, 20-something games to our last five games, and we we, we fell off the cliff in terms of uh, – being able to put the ball in the basket. But um, Deshaun has really had a, has had a great offseason. He's a six foot six, you know, 225 pound big wing who can score at all three levels. And uh, when he plays well, we're pretty darn good. Ted, how important is it to have two former head coaches on your staff in Bill Greer and Rick Ray? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's one of those deals where, you know, you feel like, Again, we mentioned COVID. If I'm out for 14 days, yeah. our program is not going to skip a beat because we've got two guys. And I would add Mike Roan, who has been with me since day one, who knows our system inside and out. Uh, you had Mike Roan with Bill Greer and Rick Ray. Uh, I don't know how much, how many coaching staffs in the country have as much experience as I do on that bench. And so again, if something happens, uh, we're, we're well prepared. But it's one of those deals where we do breakdown drills. You know, I feel like I'm the CEO. <laughs> I do not have to micromanage our staff because they know what's going on and, and they know the game. And, and uh, uh, I, I love our coaching staff, just like I love our players. But, but I think Rick Ray's been a great addition. Uh, we've had some really good coaches here through the years, but uh, – He's been he's been a, a breath of fresh air. Coach, uh, I talked to you a little earlier and actually did a piece on Tyler Bay for NBA.com. Uh, how is it looking for him? It's obviously a, another weird situation with the draft being pushed so far back. Yeah, Chris, you know, that's that's a great question. I wish I had a feel for this year's draft. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's going to be in sometime in November. I talked to Tyler about a week ago. He's, you know, nobody's gotten more workouts than he has. I mean, I feel bad for these guys that, you know, either came out earlier or were seniors last year. They're preparing for this year's draft because, you know, they Tyler won't play a game for, you know, probably 12 months, you know, and, and uh, that's a long time to go without playing a basketball game. And, and, uh, but he's had great workouts. He, you know, he's from Las Vegas. That's where he's back training his agents from there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed. And, you know, you just never know how the draft's going to go. But uh, uh, Tyler's certainly a talented guy who uh, I think can have a great career if he gets in the right spot. And I think that's the one thing that gets lost sometimes. And you guys talk about it all the time. You know, you're an SEC country and a lot of talent, ACC players down there. You know, who's leaving, who's coming back? who's ready for the league, who's not. You know, we've had a guy here, Chauncey Billups, was the number three pick in the NBA draft way back when. People forget Chauncey. It took him three or four teams before he found a home in Detroit and became Mr. Big Shot. Um, 
So with guys like Tyler Bay or Chauncey Billups, who's the number three pick in the draft, they have to find the right situation, and I'm hoping Tyler will. Our guest is Tad Boyle, a Colorado head basketball coach. One thing I always think about in games that are played out in Colorado, and I've done a game at Air Force and been out there several times, but for, for teams that play at that high elevation, do your guys have to do extra in terms of conditioning, or is it just a matter of becoming acclimated, and, and that goes away pretty quickly? Kevin, it, 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 it's, it's a matter of, of getting acclimated, and it takes your body – you know, we got a lot of smart people in our campus, hell, hell less smarter than I am, I can tell you that. <laughs> but it takes your body three to four weeks to get acclimated to altitude in, in terms of, you know, we're a mile high, we're, you know, Denver's a mile high city. So it takes our guys a while, but once they get acclimated and we're training at this altitude, your, your body becomes accustomed to it. And I always laugh because coaches that come into this altitude, they feel like it's a mental thing. And it is a mental thing, but it's also a physical thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fact of the matter that you're, there's not as much oxygen at this level. And so, you know, you get tired quicker. And, uh, unfortunately I get tired walking upstairs. It's not because <laughs> the altitude is because I'm out of shape, but, but the, the teams that come in here, you know, they feel it and coaches, you know, we've had coaches in our league that you chart their substitution patterns, their normal substitution patterns might be bringing the first sub off the bench at the 16 minute mark or the 15 minute mark. And when they play us or they play Utah, they bring them in at the 18 and a half minute mark or the 18 minute mark. So it's in the coaches' heads. Okay. Not just the players' heads. It's in the coaches' heads. We got to substitute earlier because of the altitude and. So it's a great home court advantage if you play fast and right. if you play a uh, open court style of play, which is what we want to try to do. Ted, you've always been a player development guy, not afraid to red shirt uh, up front with your recruits about red shirting. You know, that's, I, I wouldn't say it's an anomaly now, but in kind of the one and done era, not a lot of guys have the courage to, to red shirt and recruit that way. Uh, you've done a great job with your program doing that. How have you been able to, to get players to buy into that? I think the way you get players to buy into it is for them to see former players have success. And there's no former player that we can point to more than Derek White, who was a Division yeah. two player out of high school that – played three years of Division II basketball, came to Colorado, sat out a year, played one year and was a first-round draft pick, and now is going to get to his second contract in the NBA. And so when you point to guys like him or to George King, who may not be a household name, but George King played as a freshman, redshirted as a sophomore, was most improved player, you know, as a redshirt sophomore, had great success, was a second-round draft pick. And so you have to point to previous players having success. We never recruit to redshirt. We never. But we recruit honestly and transparently to say this is a process. And every young man has their own process. And they're on their own timetable. And 
we're going to do what's best for you and your son to develop them to the, be the best player they can be. And that may, that may constitute red, red shirting. It may not. So we never recruit to it, but we're transparent saying it makes the most sense. And usually around the first week of November, I have real frank, honest conversations with our players and their parents about where they are and we either decide to do it or not. The great thing about this year is we don't have to deal with that. You know, our freshmen have a free year. Every freshman in the country has a free year. Every senior in the country has a free year. And that's what's going to be really interesting as this season unfolds. And you go into next season with graduate transfers, with the transfer rules being relaxed, uh, you talk about the wild, wild west in, in scheduling, Chris. Wait till you see next spring. <laughs> it's already crazy enough. It's already crazy enough. It's going to get crazier. There's no doubt. Tad, we really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us for a few minutes here. All the best. I hope you guys stay healthy and have a great season. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks, guys. It's, it's I appreciate what you do for college basketball. It's great to be with you. Thanks, Coach. You bet. That was Colorado head basketball coach Tad Boyle going into uh, season number 11 at Colorado. And again, uh, 21 and 11 last year and 10 and 8 in the Pac-12. Chris, a lot of fun to talk to him. I know you guys go back to when he was at Tennessee and uh, uh, just a interesting program, isn't it? And uh, they seem like they're in a pretty good spot in that Pac-12 with, with a lot of experience coming back in a year where that's really going to be valuable. You know, he's a, he's a solid coach and a solid guy. Uh, I knew he'd make a good head coach. He paired up with his buddy Mark Turgeon for a long time. They were assistants at, at Oregon. They went their separate ways for a while. Then Turge got the Jacksonville State job, and Ted joined him there. And then again at Wichita State, and then they kind of went their separate ways. Uh, uh, Turge went to Texas A&M, and, and uh, Ted finally got a head coaching job at Northern Colorado, did a great job there. And as you said, he's – 11 years now at Colorado. And I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the country. And, and his program is one of the most underrated. And a lot of it is like he said, uh, people on uh, in our neck of the woods are going to bed when, when Colorado tips it <laughs> off. And yeah. for me, I, I think pack pack 12 Thursday nights are must see TV. Uh, especially when Bill Walton. Is <laughs> that was what I was, I was going to say, especially when it's Dave Pash and Bill Walton, I'll stay up late and watch some of that. It's a Pac-12 after dark, man. I'm all about those two. That, that's the best comedy show on oh, television. Oh, that is as entertaining and as Pash it gets. is the best straight man. He absolutely is. Not everybody can handle doing games with Bill Walton, but but Dave Pash handles it perfectly. It, it's always great to uh, to hear those two. It's super entertaining. The Conference of Champions. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember when he uh, showed his man cave and he had the copy of Blue Ribbon in there? He was – he. He's got his teepee set up in his backyard, and he was in in his teepee with his dog, and, and had blue ribbon cracked open, and that was on his Twitter feed. And man, I used the heck out of that. Uh, <laughs> I remember. Uh, I figure if, if we can if we can get Bill Walton straightened out, then uh, we we must be doing something. That's right. Bill, as you know, Bill Bill likes to do the travel log thing and. Uh-huh. 
and tell the story within the story, which sometimes even has to do with basketball. That's right. That, but, that's exactly uh, no, he's great. I've, <laughs> I've admired Bill Walton since he was a player. I'll never forget the 44 he scored on Memphis and St. Louis in the NCAA finals. Uh, great, great player. And, and I loved watching him uh, in the NBA when he led Portland to a, a championship. So uh, I've, I've been liking me some Bill Walton for a long time. I caught the tail end of his career. I remember when he played for the Celtics, uh, played on the one championship team there in Boston, and uh, I think he got hurt the following year, and that really hurt their chances uh, of winning again when they played the, the Lakers again. But, yeah, I remember him then, and, of course, you know, I've watched him on TV for years, and I was thinking, you know, when you, when you mentioned his name, when you and I went to the championship game in 2013 in Atlanta, when the game was over with, you were doing some work, uh, I think, for the the Big Ten Network, and, and I, was, That's right. I, I was sort of just standing off to the side, and I saw Bill Walton there by the court, and it, it was really interesting to watch him interact with people because, you know, some people it seemed like some were a little timid about going up and speaking with him, but every everybody he came into contact with, he was very gracious, and you could tell they were having a nice conversation, so that was cool to see. Wasn't Kareem with him? I, I seem to recall that the two of them were together at that final. It might have been. I can't remember exactly. I do remember seeing Bill Walton, but I, I'm not sure about Kareem. Chris, as we uh, wrap things up on this edition of our Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast, uh, again, we should mention uh, for folks who want to check out uh, all of our weekly work, you can go to blueribbon.substack.com. Uh, this week we'll have uh, my installment of my favorite venues. Uh, we'll visit Cameron Indoor Stadium and always a lot of great content every week. And, Chris, again, give the info for folks who uh, want to purchase the book, either in book form or in tablet form. Yeah, it's uh, blueribbonyearbook.com. Um, and you can get the book with a spiral bind, regular binding, and, and even the, the tablet, as, as Kevin said, it's already available for download. And our book is at the printer now. We hope to get it next week and, and start shipping it out. So blueribbonyearbook.com. And like Kevin said, uh, our new newsletter, we, we've got some great stuff. He's writing a piece on, on Cameron Indoor and, and, uh, following up on some other good pieces he's done because he's been everywhere. <laughs> and we're also doing a piece on the Richmond Spiders, the oldest team in college basketball, uh, one of our uh, actually ranked number 22 in our preseason top 25 polls. So it's going to be a, a good newsletter this week. Chris, always a lot of fun. We'll talk to you next time, man. Sounds good, man. He's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. This is the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.